Advent series, and this week we're going to be talking about joy. And I was looking through some passages and figuring out what part of scripture I wanted to use in talking about joy, when I came across a few verses where Jesus gave an instruction about joy and people who were rejoicing that I had to stop and think through a little bit. And so I want to share this passage with you, because then he goes on and talks more about uh, rejoicing and, and where our joy comes from. And so it w- really works well, and I like this passage. It's Luke chapter 10, and it's verses 17 through 24. So just before this has happened, Jesus sends out his disciples, 72 of them at the time, and this is when they have just returned from being sent out from Jesus. So beginning at verse 17, it says, The seventy-two returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So really a lot of joy that is being talked about in this passage, that the disciples had joy and Jesus was filled with joy. But the part that really stuck out to me when I read this was that the disciples were rejoicing in how successful their ministry had been. And they quote that, you know, even the demons, these evil spirits submit to them and in Jesus's name. And Jesus, in response to this, tells them, Do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that really stuck out to me that Jesus wasn't saying, Rejoice that your ministry is successful and that your names are written in heaven. He wants them to rejoice that their names are written in heaven, but he doesn't want them to rejoice that the spirits are submitting to them. And that really stuck out to me because at first I wasn't really seeing what was wrong with this because they were doing this in Jesus's name. And they even say, you know, the demons submit to us and the sentence doesn't end there. It's they submit to us in your name. So they're saying, God, we're going and doing the work that you sent us to do. So you sent us to do this work and we were obedient and went out and did it. And we saw that the work that we were doing was filled with such incredible power that even demons couldn't stand against it, right? The gates of hell could not prevail against this work that we were doing. 
and we recognize that this work isn't coming from us. This is work that is that we're doing in your name, Jesus, and it's only possible because of who you are. And we want to give you the praise and glory and rejoice in the work that you are doing through us. And it seems like a perfectly wholesome thing and, and really a good thing. And I do want to point out that Jesus is not saying that what they're doing here is wrong or bad. He is simply trying to redirect their joy from rejoicing in the success that their ministry is having against the enemy and redirect that into rejoicing about the redemption that they have. And it really became clear to me why Jesus was saying this when I thought about the verse in Ezekiel chapter 18, it's verse 23, it says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? So in that verse, we understand that what God desires is for all people to come to him. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about, is allowing people to receive the forgiveness of their sin that was made possible through the work of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus desires. That's what God longs for. And so he doesn't delight in just the destruction of the wicked because he wants all people to come to him. So we take that into context into what is happening with Jesus and his disciples here. And again, he's not scolding the disciples for rejoicing in how successful their ministry has been against the enemy, but he's trying to shift their focus to help them understand that that really isn't the thing most worth rejoicing about. Because if that was as far as their ministry got, if that's all their ministry was doing, was coming against the enemy coming against Satan and his demons, if that's all their ministry was doing, then it wouldn't have had any point. It would have been worthless if that's all that was taking place. And we see Jesus have that kind of attitude with the miracles that he does and the wondrous signs and wonders that he performs, that that's never the point of them in and of itself. It's all for the purpose of bringing people into a knowledge and relationship with God. And that's what he wants to place the emphasis on with the disciples. He's not saying, how dare you rejoice about this, or this is a bad thing that is happening. No, he recognizes this is a good thing, right? I, I see, as you went out, I saw Satan, his kingdom fall like lightning from heaven. The work that you were doing was powerful. It had instant effects against the enemy's work. And just like lightning, it's, it's instant, it's immediate, and it's also very visible for everybody else to see. So as you went out and did this work, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw the impact that it was having. But rather than rejoicing on, oh, we're coming against Satan, instead rejoice in the power of redemption. Because that's really what this work is all about is about spreading the redemptive power of Jesus to free people from their sin. And I, I like that he also doesn't just say rejoice that other people were being saved and rejoice 
that others are being redeemed, he tells them to rejoice that their names are written in heaven, which is also very powerful because that means that if their ministry is not successful, which isn't entirely up to them because somebody could still choose with their free will to reject the word of God and reject the message that they brought, and their joy shouldn't be dependent on whether or not others are accepting Christ. Because regardless of what happens in their choice, the disciples have still received that redemption. And that is something that can never be taken away. So he's really wanting them to have a joy that is founded in something that will last. Not just in the destruction of enemies, and not just in the choices of other people, but what they should truly find joy in, what they should truly rejoice in, is the never-changing fact that they have received forgiveness for their sins. That's where their joy should be coming from. And it's something really important for us followers of Christ to remember today as well. That we will not find lasting joy in destruction of any kind. Even destruction of the enemy. Even incredible works that we do in obedience to God and we do it in his name and for his kingdom against the enemy. What really matters is that it's to bring people to him, just as we have been brought to him ourselves. And that is where true, lasting joy will come from. And it really is an incredibly powerful message and something for us to remember that it's not just about coming against the darkness in the world. It's about receiving the light that is our relationship with Christ and receiving the work that he has done for us. That's where our joy is going to be found, in that relationship with God. And in fact, that's where we see Jesus' joy comes from. In verse 21 of Luke 10, it, it says that Jesus was filled with joy through the Holy Spirit. And of course, we understand the Trinity that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father all comprise who God is. And even later on in the passage, Jesus is talking about his relationship with the Father. And so this passage shows us that Jesus' joy, Jesus was filled with joy through the Holy Spirit, through his relationship with the Father. That's where his joy came from. And we want to have that same kind of joy. That needs to be the same source of our joy, not just in the stuff that we're doing for the kingdom of God, although those are good things that we should continue in, but to realize that instead of trying to find joy there in those works, that our joy needs to come directly from our relationship with God. Because there's nothing that we can do, no great work, no act of obedience that can compare to who God is. Scripture even talks about how our greatest righteousness is as filthy rags before God. It cannot compare to the glory and goodness of who God is. And it doesn't mean that we don't still want to walk in God's righteousness, that we don't still want to obey him, 
but to realize that if we're talking about where joy comes from and what it is that we will be able to rejoice in for all of eternity, it's our relationship with our Heavenly Father, relationship with God who created us and loved us so much that he sacrificed himself for us. And that is something so much greater and far beyond anything that we can do through our own power. We might be able to find some happiness or a fleeting delight in the things we do. That's basically the main message of Ecclesiastes is being able to find joy in your own work. And that's as, that's as close as we can come, but it still falls so incredibly short of the joy of what God has done for us. And regardless of what kind of life we have or even what kind of day we have, God's goodness, his love for us, his sacrifice that he made for us, the redemption that we've received from him, that remains the same regardless of how we do regardless of what we do. You know, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, and Christmas is such a perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about. Because we all know that, that Christmas is so much more than the gifts that we give each other at Christmas. It's so much more than the story of Santa. It's so much more than the cookies and milk. It's so much more than the snow outside. There's, there's just something about Christmas that goes far beyond just what we do to celebrate Christmas. Because we could totally buy the wrong gift for somebody. It was something they already had or something they didn't like. And maybe, you know, we were cooking some ham, but... We've left it in the oven too long, and now the ham is burnt, and then somebody gets injured, and we have to go to the emergency room, and, and now the whole Christmas day is ruined, and yet, it never really is. Even if everything goes absolutely wrong on Christmas day, it's still Christmas. And we can still enjoy the fact that it is Christmas day. Because the joy that we experience from Christmas isn't in anything we do or how things go. It's that celebration of something far greater than ourselves. That celebration of Jesus Christ being born on earth so that he could die for our sins. And regardless of how our Christmas celebration goes that day, that is still something we can celebrate. And we can do things to help celebrate that. We can do things to make that day nicer. But nothing we do or don't do changes that day. That's what I'm talking about here when it comes to our relationship with God and where we find our joy. Our joy isn't through the things that we do, even good things that we do in obedience to God and for the good of his kingdom that's not where our joy is found. Certainly, certainly not a lasting joy that lasts for all of eternity. That kind of joy is only found through our relationship with God. And it's not joy that can be found through our own efforts. 
And we need to recognize that. Even Jesus' joy came through the Holy Spirit in relationship with his Father. And then this whole exchange with Jesus and his disciples also ends with something that I think is quite noteworthy. And he tells to them, you know, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And so Jesus at the end here, he's rejoicing in the success of their ministry and the redemption that they have and, and making sure that he focuses them and helps them to focus on that redemption rather than just that work not scolding the good work, recognizing this is good work, this is a good thing, and we can celebrate it, but let's make sure our joy is found in something a little more lasting. And so he does celebrate with them, and he's full of joy through the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about what the Father is doing and his relationship with the Father. And then he turns to the disciples, and he points out to them that they have received something that others would be envious of, that others wished they could have had. And this is really interesting because usually it's not a good idea to compare ourselves to other people, especially because we usually compare our worst things with other people's best things. And here Jesus is telling the disciples, well, look at what you have that other people wished they could have and they didn't have. So it really is kind of uh, an interesting turn when you think about it. But what Jesus is doing here is a good thing. Because he wants them to recognize what it is that they have been blessed with. And to recognize that there are other people who would wish that they could have what they have. And he's telling them this not so that they can be boastful about it and prideful of, oh, I must be so great to be given this, but simply so they could honor and, and truly be thankful for the gift that they have received by being able to walk with and do ministry with Jesus himself. And this is still showing the disciples and showing us where joy comes from, because joy is found in a recognition of our blessings. And when I'm talking about blessings, I'm talking specifically about what we receive from God. Not just the nice things that we have, but what God has gifted to us. And that's really what makes Thanksgiving such a joyful time, is that we spend time doing exactly that, of recognizing all that we have been blessed with, and that's what makes that day such a joyous occasion. And it's also what makes Christmas a joyous occasion, because we are celebrating in what God has given to us, Jesus Christ, and the work that he has done for us, so that we can be redeemed from our sins. And here's the other incredible theme about taking time to recognize what it is that God has blessed us with, especially when we consider blessings that we have that other people don't have, when we realize that, when we realize we have things that others don't, 
not only does it make us thankful for what we do have, it also makes us loving. Because we recognize what a joy it is for us to have received that from God. But we also then recognize the joy that others are missing out of by not having that as well. And so because it brings us such great joy and we can recognize that other people do not have that same kind of joy, it makes us want to share that joy with them. We do that with mundane things all the time. If we watch a great movie or read a great book that we absolutely love, we don't just hold on to it and say, boy, I sure hope that nobody else watches this movie or nobody else reads this book because I enjoyed it so much that I just want to keep it to myself. That's not at all what we do. We do the exact opposite. We start recommending that thing to other people. Sometimes people we don't even really know that well, but just because we like this thing so much, oh, you need to check this out. Oh, you should watch this movie. You should read this book. It's so good, and I'm, I'm sure you'll love it. And I love it so much, and I want other people to have the same experience that I've had. That's what happens. And it's the same thing that happens in regards to our blessings from God. That we say, I want other people to experience this as well. I want to share this with other people. Sometimes that even moves us in such a loving way that we're willing to part with what we have so that somebody else can have it. Simply because we recognize what a wonderful thing it is to have that. And that as we can watch other people experience these things and, and receive these blessings, it really does fill us up with an even greater joy watching that happen. And it's not them receiving something specifically because of us or directly because of us. That part really doesn't matter all that much. All that really matters to us is that they experience that thing or that they're given that thing, no matter where it comes from. Because we recognize that it's, it doesn't need to be from me. It's not about me giving this thing to this person. It's recognizing, especially with the blessings of God, that it's something that we didn't even deserve. We didn't create this thing, but God gave it to us as a gift. And we want other people to receive that gift as well. And that when they receive that blessing, that gift from God, and we know that they're now experiencing the same kind of joy that we experience in what God has given to us, that joy between you and that person resonates with each other. And it becomes an even greater joy. And so that joy that we find is found because of God, because of the work that God has already done for us, regardless of whatever kind of work we do, through that we were able to receive through our relationship with God, and that as we share that with others, that we find greater joy as it becomes multiplied. So again, it's not a work that we are doing. It's a work that God is doing through our relationship with him and receiving the things that he has given to us and then wanting others who don't have that to have it as well 
and receive those things from God just as we have received it. It's not a work we're doing, it's a work that God has already done. And recognizing that we find a lasting joy through what God has done for us, and inviting other people in to receive that from God as well. And so I want to leave us with this question and with this challenge today. How can we connect people directly to God's work? So not just doing good work in the name of God, not just doing good things for God's kingdom, through our own work or our own power, or even through God's power doing his work, although that's not bad, that's still a good thing. That's something that we should continue to do. But just like with the disciples, they were going out and doing great works in Jesus' name and coming against the enemy, and even the gates of hell could not stand against them. And that was good. That was a admirable thing that they were doing. But there was more to it than that. And I want us to kind of take a step back and and really recognize this. That in order for other people's lives to be filled with the joy that we have received, it's not going to come through any work that we can do in their life. It can only come from God doing a work in their life. And any kind of work that we do is meant to help God do his work in their life. And if we can, if we can bring those people, and, and I, by that I just mean people who don't have a relationship with God. If we can bring those who don't know God into a place where God can do a work directly in their life, That is going to be so much more powerful than anything else they could ever experience. Greater than anything the world can offer them, and greater than anything that you could offer them. And this doesn't mean that we stop being obedient to God. It doesn't mean that we stop doing the work of his kingdom. And we still want to give him the praise and glory for doing that work through us. But to recognize that there are some things that only God can do in a person's life. And what can we do to not just be Christ's ambassadors in this world, although we should continue to do that, to not just be God's light in the darkness, although we should continue to do that, but what can we do to connect people directly to God so that they can receive the gifts and blessings from God himself rather than it always having to be through us. And I want us to really think that through. Because that is where our joy comes from, through what we receive from God. And that's where other people will find a true lasting joy as well, in receiving things directly from God. So let's continue the good work, continue working against the enemy, continue working against the kingdom of Satan that wants to destroy and devour others, especially those we love and care about, continue to do that, but recognize that the final goal is not to crush the enemy, 
The final goal is not to do good work. The final goal is redemption. The final goal is relationship with God. And that is what we need to be doing in this world, is bringing people into the loving arms of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? How do we connect the people that we know directly to God so that he can do a joyous work in their life? And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you, wherever you're listening to this, to like this, rate it, share it, all the things that you have to do to help get the message out there so that others can receive this joy that we have all received as well. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.